This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Wow, we're already having a great time this morning. Had a full service. Uh, but I know that the Lord wants to speak a few things to us. We're, um, who remembers what we've been talking about for a few weeks here? Anyone? Disciples, about being a disciple. And we have seen that there is a difference between somebody that just confesses Jesus as Lord, somebody that just accepts, uh, believes, somebody that just, uh, you know, hey, well, I'm cool with God, me and God, we got our understanding. That doesn't make you a disciple. And we've really studied this out for the past three or four weeks. And, um, and, and I believe that we're seeing some results out of this. We started a program this past Monday uh, called Spiritual Personal Training. Where, Amen. Hey, it's going really good. Uh, we offered, and if I'm sorry if you missed the deadline, but, uh, but uh, we love you. But we started a program uh, where if you feel like you just weren't in shape spiritually, I mean, you could be in great shape physically. You could be, you know, in the best shape of your life physically, but that doesn't mean you're spiritually in shape. And so we've got a group of personal trainers here, spiritual personal trainers that are every day. They're walking along beside you. They're they're uh, they're working with you. They're they're challenging you. And I know this week the challenge was you had to pick something that you could lay down for an entire 30 days, whether, you know, fasting something. And 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 I'm telling you, I, we didn't make this program super easy just so anybody could do it. It should be a challenge because I want I want to see people get into shape spiritually and push themselves to be all that God called them to be. And I am so I'm hearing so many good things about this. And we'll we'll probably we will be doing this again at some point. But I'm telling you, man, if you're up for a good challenge, you should stretch yourself spiritually. Well, we're going to get into this, but there's two books I wanted to show you real quick from the bookstore back there that kind of tie a lot of this in together. One is a great book called Welcome to God's Family uh, by Brother Hagen, and it's a foundational guide for spirit filled living. Lots of little uh, there's several little uh, teachings in here, basics, fundamentals on Christianity, but but things that will kind of help establish you in the faith. If you're kind of newer to this or or maybe you've been in church for a while, but you just really you're not getting it yet. You're not understanding it. Well, hey, no shame on you. We love you. We're trying, we want to help you get through that. Then another great book. This is a little one, a uh, little tiny book, just a few pages long, but it's called Godliness is Profitable. And that's going to go along with our title today, our sermon today, Godliness is profitable because there is reward and there is blessing in serving God. That's not why I do it. I don't serve God because of all the great things he does for me and can do for me, but it's undeniable. There is blessing in obedience. And hey, if God wants to bless me, by all means, bring it on, Father. Do it. I love you. I'll take it. That's my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you want to give me, right? My name's Paul. I'll take it all. Well, my name's actually Dave. But anyway, uh, so what I'm saying is this, is that there is blessing in obedience. And so I told you last week that as we get into the rest of this series, you know, we've laid some harsh stuff out there. We've laid some things out there that I mean to separate the line between converts and disciples, Right. Because there's a lot of people that are converts to Christianity, but they're not disciples. They're not willing to lay anything down for the Lord. And a disciple, they lay their life down for the Lord. And there's some people that, I mean, they're, they're willing to go the extra mile to get into shape. They'd go sit out in the rain and the snow and, and a hurricane to watch their favorite football team play. 
but they won't come out to church. They won't go out and, and do something that they committed for the Lord to do, you know, if they sprinkles like it did last night in Barstow. Well, we don't want to get the kids out there. It's wet. But you take the kids out in a blizzard to watch football. That's fine. That is your choice. But just please don't lie to us and tell us you're a disciple because you are not a disciple. You may be cool with the Lord. You may have converted, but you are not a disciple if, 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 if you would rather do those things than be in love with the Lord. If you need an outline for the sermon this morning, raise your hand. I don't know if I got any ushers around. I got Cletus here. If you do need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. But this week we're going to talk about the blessings that come from being a disciple. Because, listen, we had to lay the cold, hard truth out there. But today I want to show you some of the benefits that there are to being a disciple. Because, we've, again, we've laid some heavy stuff out there. And you may be thinking, that's all great, but why would I want to do all that? Why would I want to lay down my time, my life? Why would I want to give things up for all this? And listen to me. If it's not because you love Jesus, it won't matter anyway. But if you've said, yeah, I do want to be a disciple, I want to show you a few little things today that will just absolutely prove to you that it is well worth it to give your life to Jesus. And again, again, well, I've given my life to Jesus. Well, you said a prayer, but you did not give your life to Jesus because you're still your own boss and you're still your own Lord. You do everything that you feel like doing. You do everything that you want to do. You call the shots. So please don't lie and say, I gave my life to Jesus. You didn't give it to him. You accepted him and that he died on the cross. And that's good. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, but don't lie to yourself and don't lie to us and call yourself an absolute Jesus is my Lord when he's not your Lord. Amen. So we'll get into this. But uh, but but let's go ahead and open in prayer. And I want to I want to show you some benefits today of what it is to be a disciple, some blessings from God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much that we have a church to worship you in, Lord, that we have a family sitting around us today, Lord. We have a family here today that love us, Lord. They want to see the best for us, and we can cheer each other on. We can encourage each other. We don't have to live life alone, God. You've given us brothers and sisters in the faith, God, and we're so thankful for that. Lord, I pray that as we open up our hearts to your word today, that you'll speak to us. Lord, I pray you'll challenge us, Lord, and and you'll just encourage us to be everything that you've called us to be. And Lord, we do want to be your disciples in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. All right. And so a few things I'm going to say is this. Number one, we're talking about the benefits of being a disciple. Number one is that you get to experience things that others never will. If you're going to be a disciple, you are going to go places with Jesus. You are going to see things and experience things that other people will not experience. And I'm telling you this much, that's enough for me right there. I don't want to just be on the outskirts of this thing. Because as we've said, there was a lot of people that came and watched Jesus preach, right? Multitudes came. They filled the hillsides watching him preach a lot of times. And there was people that could have been, I mean, you know, they could have been in the nosebleed seat, so to speak. And they were there. They liked Jesus. They experienced Jesus. And that is awesome. That is incredible. But there was others that were right up next to Jesus that lived everyday life. 
with Jesus. They went everywhere with him and Jesus told them things that he didn't tell everybody else. He showed them things that others didn't see and they were blessed in ways that others just weren't blessed in. And I'm telling you, I don't want to be the guy up in the nosebleeds like I always am at basketball games because when I go, I'm like, but I'm talking about, I want to be down there on the court. I want to be side by side with Jesus and I want to know him. I want Jesus to be my best friend. I want Jesus to be, I, I, I want to know Jesus. I don't want to just know about him. I want, I, I want to be that close to Jesus where in any situation I could, you know, people ask, what would Jesus do? And some people are like, golly, I don't know. Maybe he would take this money. Maybe he would go flirt with that girl. Maybe he would. If you know Jesus, if you actually know him, you don't sit there and scratch your head. What would Jesus do? You're like, oh, man, I know exactly what Jesus would do right now. He would do this. That's how I want to be. I don't want to have to wonder. And I'm telling you, if you're a disciple, it's like that. If you're a disciple, if you are that close to Jesus, if he's your Lord, if you really did give your life to him, man, it takes so much of the guesswork out of this thing that we call life. You're not confused all the time. You're not wondering, man, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I'm in a fog right now. You don't live in a fog. You know what to do every day. And it's awesome. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us. And so I'm going to invite you, no doubt about it, not being mean. In this room, there's disciples. And in this room, there's converts. And, and I recognize that not everybody is going to become a disciple, although Jesus wants everybody to become one. But statistically and just flat out, not everybody's willing to do what it takes. Not everybody's willing to even lay down some of their time for Jesus. And that, hey, that's you. That's fine. That's cool. You do what you want to do. That You have that right. But for those that have decided, you know what, I'm done playing around. I do. I do want to be a disciple. I do want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord. I'm done being my own Lord. Today's your day. And I'm going to show you some stuff that will bless you right into your socks. Amen. Hey, I was, I enjoyed studying this. I, I liked it. But anyway. Alright, let's open up, uh, to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. Amen. And so I'm talking about that as a disciple, you're gonna experience things that other people will never experience. And to the casual Christian, this sounds like no big deal. And some people, you know, they really couldn't care any less. Like, hey, I'm cool. I got my ticket to heaven. What else do I need? But listen, to somebody that's passionate about Jesus, you do want to be so close to him that you'll climb mountains with him and see and experience things that the majority, they don't even know exist. And there were a group of people that were that close to Jesus. Jesus not only had 12 disciples, he had more than that, because I know in Luke 10, it says he had 70 more. And so there were many people that were disciples. He had those 12 that were his closest, that were his apostles. But I'm telling you, within the 12... He broke it down to a smaller group of three, Peter, James, and John. I talked about this last week. And remember, when he came to raise the dead girl, uh, uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead, he told everybody else to leave except Peter, James, and John. And there were many in the most difficult and impossible situations. Jesus took three people with him, Peter, James, and John. And, you know, and I mean, why is that? Well, they, they, we study that, but they were able to really tone in their faith. And believe for a miracle. But I'm going to show you something today. There was a blessing for these three guys. Because they experienced and saw something that none of us have ever seen. And nobody else has ever seen. Matthew chapter 17. 
verses 1 through 9, a very interesting story that I, I had, it took me a long time to understand this story. I didn't always get this, but now I get it. I understand it now. This is the story of the transfiguration. If you ever heard of the transfiguration, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John. There they are. Why didn't he take Judas? Well, he probably would have stole something. Why didn't he take Thomas? He probably would have doubted the existence. He took the three guys that were worth taking. And so he took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became as white as light. And so I'm not just talking about like, ooh, Jesus got bright. Literally, it was blinding. His, Jesus, he, here he is, and, and, and he becomes as bright as staring right there at the sun. And his clothing and everything just turns as white as snow. What is going on right here? And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Can you imagine this experience? Jesus is like, come on, let's just go be alone. They go up on the mountain. Jesus starts talking, and then this happens. He becomes blinding bright, and then Moses and Elijah appear out of nowhere, and you're, you're just, you're a fly on the wall. You're just standing there experiencing this. You're seeing Jesus Christ talk with Moses and Elijah, and they're just having a conversation. And you're just standing there watching. I mean, what in the world is this? This would be an absolutely incredible experience. And I, I keep reminding you, why didn't he have a hundred people there to see this? If it, you know, Why didn't he have the multitudes? Why didn't he say, everybody, let's advertise it, get it on the social media, call the news channel. Everybody, meet me on the mountain at noon, and I promise you, you'll see something that you'll never forget. Why? Because there's some things that... If you're that close with Jesus, it's just for you. It's not for everybody else. They'll never experience it. They'll never see it. And I'll bet some of you have had some experiences with Jesus that other people wouldn't even get it. They they wouldn't. The lukewarmers, the half-bakes, the carnals, they wouldn't get it. No, no, need, no need even wasting your time telling them about it. But listen to me. Here we are. Peter, James, John, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And so Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. So now on top of all of this, you hear the actual voice, the audible voice, the real voice of God the Father in heaven. Oh my gosh, can you imagine this experience? The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them. He didn't ask. He didn't suggest. Jesus commanded them, don't you tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And then it's over. What an experience these guys had that day. Now, as I said a minute ago, when you're that close to Jesus, 
When you're a disciple, when you're in the inner circle, when you really did give your life to him, there's no doubt about it. You will see, you will experience, you will know things that the others, they'll never even know. They don't even know it exists. They don't, they don't, they'll never even know about it. And, and you'll have experiences with Jesus. I'm not saying him and Elijah and Moses are going to show up in your bedroom at night. I mean, that would be neat, but I'm, it's probably not going to happen. But you will have experiences with Jesus and he will tell you things and he'll, he'll tell you things. That sounds weird. Of course it sounds weird because you're not a disciple. But if you're a disciple, that doesn't sound weird at all. It doesn't sound weird at all that I could say, Jesus talks to me. You're like, yeah, duh, of course he does. He talks to me every day. That's not weird if you gave your life to Jesus. If you're a lukewarm Christian, that sounds like we're a bunch of weirdos. But, but if you really, if you really are a disciple of Jesus, there's nothing weird at all about saying that Jesus talks to me. I talk to him. He shows me things that not, that, that's not weird at all. But I'm telling you, it's interesting that Jesus told them, don't tell anybody about this until some, and he gave them a specific time, until after the Son of Man is raised from the dead. You're not allowed to tell anybody. Why is that? They wouldn't get it. They wouldn't understand it. And there are things that the Lord's maybe told you that other, other your friends, your family, unless they're dedicated to the Lord, they wouldn't get it at all. They, they'd make fun of it. It would confuse them. They'd make fun of you. It's not even worth telling them because they're not that close with Jesus. And it would blow their mind. They, they couldn't understand it. But for these guys, they got it. Now, what's the significance of the transfiguration? What, what does all this mean? What's the significance of this? Why Moses... And Elijah, why not David? Why not Adam? Why not Gideon? Why not any of these other great? There's a lot of significance to the fact that Jesus was having this experience with Moses and Elijah. Well, why is that? Well, Moses and Elijah represent the two principal components of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. The law was given to Moses. And Elijah was said to be the greatest of the prophets. And here we are, Jesus coming in to the fulfillment of the old covenant. Moving in, he was soon to be crucified and risen from the dead. And the new covenant is here as he's closing down the old covenant. Moses and Elijah show up. And this is in the in, in uh, Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel also. And they go into even further detail. or It's in the three synoptic gospels. But what I'm saying is this. They were there, and it was coming down to the culmination of the Old Covenant. And that's incredible. But, beyond that, why was Jesus so bright? Does anybody wonder, why did he turn so bright? I'm always like, what's the big deal with that? Why did you have to turn bright? Why did you have to go blind in people, Jesus? Why did you do that? Well, I'm going to explain why why he was so bright. Jesus was so bright because at that moment, the glory of God came upon him. And you're like, well, boring. I don't listen. That's not boring. Listen to me right now. The glory of God came upon Jesus. And when you experience the glory of God, it's a it's a, it's a bright, nearly blinding experience. I believe when Paul had that experience, whenever he was going down the Damascus Road, Jesus appeared to him that day, right? And, 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 and it was so bright that, that he, I mean, he, he nearly passed out and he went blind for a while. Listen, that wasn't because Jesus was there to strike people with blindness. Bam, bam. No. 
Paul saw the glory of God and his eyeballs were not prepared for it and it blinded him. Now, let me show you something in the Old Testament. We're going to spend the majority of the day in the New Testament. But let me show you something about the glory of God. And if you're if you care to be close to Jesus, this will absolutely wow you and astound you. So uh, so let's look here at Exodus chapter thirty three. So we're talking about being disciples. Why are we going to the Old Testament? Follow me to Exodus, please. Exodus thirty three. And we're going to look at verse 18. Here's an experience that Moses had. Now, Moses became very close to the Lord, so close that he was held accountable to a very high standard, more so than nearly anybody ever. But look at this. Here's Moses. He he was getting so close to God that he just he wanted to see God. And God's like, you couldn't handle it. You could you it kill you. You can't see me and live like, whoa, geez. Wow. But he said, I could show you my presence. And I'm telling you what, I want to see the presence of God. But it's not going to happen if I'm out there at the club. It's not going to happen if I'm watching my pornos, which I don't watch ever. But I'm telling you, you're not going to experience the presence of God watching nasty videos. wonder why I never see miracles in the presence of God. Come on, listen to me. We could answer a whole lot of questions if people would just be honest. The reason you don't see it is because your eyes are looking at other things. You're out there doing other stuff. Of course you don't see the presence of God. Of course you don't see blind eyes open. You don't see miracles. Of course you don't. Because disciples see those things. But look at this. Exodus chapter 33, verse uh, starting at verse 18, Moses responded, All right, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face for no one may see me and live. Whoa. Sounds like a pretty big deal. (laughs) God is a holy God. He is holy means set apart. There's nobody like him. And and I mean, we're trying to wrap our minds around. Well, why? What would happen? I don't know. But I just know that there's nobody like him. You can't fully comprehend God. I don't understand everything about God. He's way beyond my understanding. Now, there's I'm trying, man. I study and I learn and I want to be in his presence. But I know this much that Moses, as good and awesome and holy as he was, God said, you couldn't look at me straight in the face. You'd die. Whoa. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. And so this happens. Moses has this experience. He's allowed to see God from behind and he is absorbed in the presence of God. Now look here at verse, excuse me, chapter 34. Flip over to chapter 34. So we can read the whole experience, but I want to skip down to the bottom of it here. Chapter 34 and verse 29. Here's what happens when Moses comes back down the mountain after that experience. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, 
he was not aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. Moses, after having this experience with God and seeing and experiencing the glory of God, it absolutely did the same thing to him that it did to Jesus. He was shining like the sun. His face became radiant. And it says here that his brother Aaron and the others, they couldn't look him in the face. They were like, whoa, man, what's going on? They couldn't get it. Why? They weren't that close to God. Moses made, or Aaron made a stinking cow to bow down to. He wouldn't have under, he couldn't have even comprehended this experience. And that's what I'm saying to you today. Moses experienced and saw things that the others, it would have blown, I mean, they, they, they would have passed out. They wouldn't have got it. They would have, you're lying, liar, that didn't happen. They, they, whatever the case is, they would not have comprehended it. I would much rather be in the situation of Moses and seeing the glory of God and everybody else thinking that I'm a weirdo. I'm fine with that. I don't want to be like everybody else. I've seen the results. I've seen how the rest of this world lives. I want nothing to do with that. I don't want to be. i gladly be a weirdo. I'll gladly be that guy. I'll gladly be the one that is just different than everybody else. Gladly. Because guess what? I still have my wife and kids in 20 years, 30 years. They'll still love me. I'm not losing them. I'll still have Jesus. I'll still have all of these things. Why is that? Because I'm doing things God's way. Amen. I'm going to, hey, you can call me weird, but I tell you another thing you're going to call me. You will call me blessed because I will be blessed. And so, so you can see why, you know, why, why you're going to experience it. But look at verse 35, verse 35 here. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. He had to cover his face up because they couldn't handle the brightness. They couldn't handle the glory of God. So Moses had to cover his face when he would speak to these people. That is incredible. That's incredible. Why is that? Because he became that close to God. And so no doubt about it. When you really are a disciple, one of the benefits is you will see and experience and hear things that other people will never even know existed. Has you ever gone on an adventure with somebody and, and maybe, you know, you've been to this mountain range, you know, hundreds of times. But then somebody takes you and shows you something like, wow, I never even knew this was here. They're like, hey, I've known about this for a long time. It's always been there, but I never knew it. And yet. That same beautiful little spot, you know, we go to the mountains a lot. There's places we like to go to and stuff. There's stuff there that other people, they'll live and die and they'll never even know that it existed. And there are things like that in the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, 29, I believe it is, says that the Lord has secrets. The Lord has secrets. And he can reveal them to those that he wants to reveal them to. And to those that he doesn't want to tell them to, that's fine. He doesn't have to tell you his secrets. But there are some things I will never know until I get to heaven. And I'm okay with that. There are things that I don't have answers to right now that I won't have until I get to heaven. But the secret things do belong to the Lord. And I'm okay with that. I've accepted that. But I know this much, that the closer I am to him in this life, he's going to reveal some of those secrets to me. And sometimes I can tell people. Sometimes you can tell people. And sometimes you can't. God's like, hey, it's between me and you. Don't tell anybody else about that. They, they couldn't handle it anyway. Like, hey, that's a great benefit 
to being best friends with Jesus. And the second thing I'm going to say today is this. If you are going to be a disciple, another benefit is you truly fulfill your call and reach your destiny. And don't that I'm not saying that as a cliche thing, because there's a lot of people that never fulfill the call that God had on their life. And I believe every person in this room has a call upon their life. Everybody in here does. Now, not everybody's going to fulfill that call because they're not willing to lay different things down. They're not willing to let Jesus be their Lord. They want to be their own Lord. And that's their choice. But you can't say, well, would God didn't give me no call? He absolutely did. You know, David said in Psalm 139, talking about his life, he said, God, every day of my life was planned out before a single day had even passed. God planned every single day of your life how he wanted it to go. Now, there are some days that have not gone very good for me, but that probably wasn't God's original plan. I probably did something stupid and walked and went the wrong way and, 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 and got off the course. And so sometimes like, well, God, you said you had good plans for him. He did. But you chose your plans instead. So don't get mad at him. He did have good plans and he does have good plans. But sometimes we choose to do our own thing. And, and and you've got to know this, though, that if you are willing to be a disciple, if you are willing to make Jesus your Lord and not just your Savior, you will truly fulfill the call on your life and reach your destiny. So let me show you something here in Luke chapter 6. Let's turn over there, Luke 6. And as we're turning there, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you're going to heaven. No doubt about it. If you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you're saved. Amen. You're going to heaven. That's awesome. That's the best thing ever. But listen to me. A convert just wants that ticket to heaven and they're content with that. Like, hey, I got my ticket. I'm good. That's all I wanted. That's fine. But I want more than the ticket. I want more than to just show up to heaven and barely make it and say, well, hey, wow, you made it. <laughs> barely, but you're here. All right. That's yeah, that's hey, that's the number one thing is that you're there. But I'm not satisfied with just getting my ticket into heaven. A disciple not only wants to be in heaven, they want to fulfill the call of God on their life in this world. And so Luke six forty six, I've preached this before. Very, very interesting little passage here. This is the story of Jesus talking about the wise man and the foolish man. But he says something interesting in Luke six forty six. He says to these people, so so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? He sounded confused here. That's confusing. It's like, why, why do you keep calling? I'm confused. You keep calling me Lord, but you don't do anything I say. What's going on here? How can you confuse Jesus? That is confusing. Why would you call him Lord, but you don't do anything he says? When someone's your Lord, you obey them. You do what they say. Can you imagine how annoying it would be if somebody came up voluntarily, because Jesus doesn't force anybody to do anything. If somebody voluntarily came and said, you know what, man, I like you. I'm going to call you boss from now on. Whatever you need, I I got it. You tell me, boss. All right, sweet. Uh, so, hey, man, could you go get me this? And they ignore you. Love you, boss, man. Hey, my boss. What's up, boy? boss? 
But they keep calling you boss every day, but they never do a single thing that you ask them to do. After a while, I would be like, shut up. Don't call me boss. I am not your boss. You don't do anything I say. I didn't force you to call me that. You wanted to call me that, but you don't ever do anything I say any, anyway. I mean, you're a nice guy, but I am not your boss. Go find somebody else to bug, but I'm not your boss. And it's the same way with Jesus. Lord, I love you. Good, man. I need you to go. I need you to go help this person over there. Nope. Walk off the other way. Lord, oh, Lord, 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 you are my Lord. You're my one and only. You're my Lord. Good. I need you to lay this down at my feet and just give this up. It's hurting you. I like that. Why do you keep calling me Lord when you won't do anything I say? So for some people, Jesus is their Savior, but He is not their Lord. If you've received Him as your Savior and you're going to heaven, that is amazing. But it takes more than that to make Jesus your Lord. You gotta obey Him. You gotta love Him. You gotta actually follow Him. You gotta actually do what He says to do. So Jesus right here asked a very fair question. This was not rude. This was absolutely not uncalled for. He literally said to these people, why do you keep calling me Lord? You don't do anything. I I am not your Lord. I'm not your Lord. And so when you make Jesus your Lord, you'll quit being your own Lord. You know, we, we, we got people that are self-employed and that's great. You're your own boss. That's, hey, that's awesome. But there's some people that are, they're self-lorded. They lord themselves. They call all the shots. They don't consult Jesus for any, they don't, and even if they did, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do what he told them to do anyway. They're their own lord. They're, they're their own boss. They're in charge of themselves. Jesus really has no say so in the decisions that they make. He's not their Lord. They're their own Lord. And and listen, you are allowed to do that. You can, hey, you can be your own boss. You can call the shots. But just don't get mad at Jesus for the results you get. Because I know some people that, I mean, they blame God for stuff. Well, you said this and then this happened to me. Why did that happen? And And he said, if you'll do this, then I promise you this. You didn't do this, and you got these results over here. They that sow to the flesh, show the flesh, reap corruption, Galatians 5. So you sowed seed into the flesh. You decided, oh, I'm going to do what makes me feel good, and that's fine. You are allowed to do that. But you reap the harvest off of that. And so if you're going to sow seeds of whatever makes you feel good, just living on a whim every day, that's fine. But listen. You're going to reap those results. You are not going to reap the same results of somebody over here that's dedicated their lives to Jesus, laid their lives down, said, Jesus, I'll do whatever you say to do, and made Jesus their Lord. You're not going to get those same results. But don't blame him for it. It's not his fault. It's our fault, right? And so don't blame Jesus when you've become your own Lord, but you reap the, the harvest and the results off of being your own Lord. You know, in Proverbs 14, 12, we're told that there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Jeez. Well, if, 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 if you don't know what Jesus would do, like, well, this way seems good. It's got a whole bunch of money. It's got... I mean, look at all the fun over here. Wow, I'm going to go this way. It seems right, but if you're not a disciple, you 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 can't you don't know. 
You're confused. And so you take that way, sadly, that way ends in death. This way over here, it didn't look as, as beautiful. It didn't look as, well, over here, you, you gotta lay some stuff down. Over here, you can't just live to make yourself happy. You gotta actually live your life for others. Over here, you're gonna actually have to sacrifice. I don't want that. I wanna go over here. Hey, your choice. Just know that, that, it, that will end in death though. And a lot of us are experiencing death in different areas because the way seemed right. So we took it. So now that relationship, it's dead anyway. That job, death. That experience, whatever it was that you were chasing down that road, it died anyway. That's not saying that you're going to physically drop over dead necessarily, but there is death in many ways. Divorce, whatever, you know, it ended in death. It seemed right, but you didn't ask God because you were your own Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, <laughs> Encouraging today. So let's, uh, and of course, Jeremiah 29, 11. I've got that on there. But you can put that on the screen. I've, I'm sure most of you are familiar with this verse. But it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Man, that's beautiful. Hmm. It said, I know the plans I have for you. God has plans for you. The devil has plans for you. And you've got plans for yourself. God's like, hey, I know the plans I have for you. They're, they're good. They're going to give you a future and a hope. The devil's plans are to steal, kill, and destroy your life. John 10, 10. And then we've got plans that may seem right, but they end in death. So, which plans are we going with here? God said, hey, I know, I've got good plans, okay? I know the plans I have, but you're going to have to choose to lay them down. And I'm telling you this much, that when we are a disciple, one of the benefits is you will see God's plans come to pass in your life. And that's a beautiful thing to experience. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 28. Who's learning anything today? Proverbs chapter 28. So fulfilling God's call in your life, it may not make you a superstar billionaire. But in the end, the rewards, I promise you, will be far more fulfilling than anything you could have earned with your own might and ability. I, I mean, I, I'm fine to not die a billionaire. I'm fine. Whatever. I'm fine with that. But I am not fine dying without fulfilling the call of God on my life. I am not okay going to the grave and I didn't do what Jesus asked me to do in this life. I can't handle that. I can handle doing without all the money and the fame, and I don't want to be famous anyway. But I don't want all that mess. But I'm not okay going to the grave and not doing what Jesus asked me to do. But one of the benefits of being a disciple is you will fulfill that call in your life. And so there's a lot of rich people. They die feeling empty. There's a lot of people that were famous in this world, but they end up dying feeling like a failure. A lot of people that may have had the boats, the extra houses, the cars, all that stuff, but they die regretting it all because those things don't fulfill. Uh, hey, we, I think if you're, if you're o over the age of 12, you should know by now that listen, money is not that fulfilling, is it? It's not, it helps. We're not, hey, I like to have it, but I don't love it. I like to have, of course I do. Everybody does, but I don't love it. I love Jesus. 
And there's a lot of people, you love money. You love it. And you are not willing to do without it in order to fulfill the call of God in your life. And, and, and here's, the, here's the kicker. Third John 2 says that, Beloved, I wish above all things you'd prosper and be in health. If you are going to be a disciple, God will give those things to you anyway. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. He'll get the stuff to you. All right. But listen, some people, they, they just they can't handle that. They, they got to do it their own way. They love this stuff. And it breaks my heart, man. I mean, there's people I haven't seen, that, you know, in church for months because they got something they thought was a blessing. But the blessing took them out of the house of God. The blessing of the Lord will make a person rich, but he has no sorrow with it. Guarantee you, maybe not right now you're not feeling the sorrow, but eventually there will be sorrow that comes with that blessing. Because it wasn't a blessing. It was a distraction and it stole you out of, out of the work of God. Anyway, anyway, let's keep moving. So Proverbs 28, verse 6, it says this. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity... Then one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Woo! Better is the poor who walks in his integrity. Now again, I don't believe that God's called us to be poor because he hasn't. He said he wants us to prosper and be in health. I get that. But you'd be better off to be poor and have some integrity about you than be a rich pervert. Come on. You'd be better off to be have still have your character to still have some integrity about you and then and be poor than to be the richest guy in the world and and be perverse in your ways and have no moral have nothing to show for it i'd rather be uh, no absolutely not listen to me you're better off without all that junk if it's going to lead you that way. And so we know that God doesn't want us to be poor. I'm not going to live a poor life, but I'd be better off to be poor and have integrity than be rich and perverse in my ways. Do you understand that? And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is this. If you're willing to lay some things down, one of the benefits of being a disciple is that you'll fulfill the call of God on your life. The call of God, not the call of you. What God's plans were. You'll fulfill His plans and you'll reach the destiny that He planned out billions of years ago. He plan, He had His plan for your life like millions, billions of years before you were even born. And you think it's worth rolling the dice and trying to come up with your own thing? I'm just going to go with His, man. It's got to be better than anything my peanut brain came up with. So listen, as a disciple, you will fulfill the call of God on your life. And if you're and, and and I don't expect that any lukewarmers would find that exciting and you know and there's some in this room that are you know they're like eh, that's, well, you know that sounds I don't I don't I don't really care to be honest. And that's I get that. I'm fully aware that every message that comes from this pulpit there is a percentage that just don't get it because they don't they aren't following. Even Jesus told the story of the man sowing the seed some fell on good ground, some fell on thorny ground, some fell and the birds came and got it. I, hey, I, no doubt about it. Every time that a message is preached from any pulpit, there's a certain percentage that just aren't going to get it. But what I'm talking to today is that percentage, please, that are listening and that are going to get this. You're going to fulfill the call of God in your life. You're going to get to heaven and he's going to say, oh man, you did it. You were listening. Well done. 
good and faithful servant. Oh, my gosh. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I've got some stuff for you, man. I've been waiting on you. I'm so glad you're here. I would rather hear him give me the compliments. I'd rather hear him give me the applause. I'd rather hear him give me the affirmation than any person in this world. If I can just have Jesus tell me good job, I don't care if every billion people don't like me and tell me I'm doing a bad job. If Jesus said, no, you did what I told you to do. There it is. It's worth it. The disciples get that. The converts and the lukewarmers, they're they're not getting this right now. But you disciples, this is really hitting home with you. And you're getting this. And so, number three is this. And I hope I don't sound mean to anybody. I'm really, I'm not a mean person at all. I'm a very nice person. (laughs) Except to Leah. I am mean to Leah on a very, on a pretty regular basis. But nearly everybody else in this church I'm extremely nice to. So if I sound harsh, I'm not. But... But I have found that, I mean, I'm just tired of playing church, man. Tired of having people say a prayer than, you know, me saying that they're a Christian. I'm tired of, of people just half giving God their, you know, half of themselves and expecting Him to give their, His all to them. You know, like, here, I'll give you five minutes of my week, God, but I'm going to need you to be there split second. I'm going to need you to be, I need you to rain down money. I need you to give me your peace and joy, but I'm, I'm going to give you about 5% of who I really am, but I need you, Jesus, to give me your all. That's not fair. You're all, even if you give him your all, you're still getting the better end of the deal because his all is a lot more than your all. That's like, you know, coming up to a billionaire. I'll trade you all the money in my account for all the money in your account. And he says, yes, like, hello, you're getting the better end of the deal there. Come on. And that's what Jesus did for you. He's like, I'll trade you. I'll take your sins and I'll give you my blessing. I'll give you salvation. I'll give you peace. I'll take your sickness upon my back and I'll give you healing. I'll take your depression and I'll give you my joy. That's not fair at all. You'd be a fool to not take that deal. You'd be an absolute fool to not take that deal. And so the third thing I'm going to say is this. Number three is there are rewards in heaven. Really? Yeah. There are rewards in heaven. There are some of the things you're doing for the Lord in this life you may never get rewarded for. But God is paying attention and there will be rewards in heaven. And so I hear people, man, I'm not going to do this anymore. No one even ever tells me good job. If you were just doing it to be told good job at a boy, then you probably aren't the right person for that job for the Lord. Because, listen, working for the Lord is not always, doesn't always make you Mr. Popularity. Miss Popularity make everybody just love you. When you're really working for the Lord, when you're really saying what He tells you to say, you rub people the wrong way and you make them angry at you. People got very angry at Jesus, but it was all worth it. Matthew 16, 27. I'm going to move a little bit quickly here. We're closing in on noon, and I don't want the Catholics to beat me over to Jenny's. Matthew 16, verse 27. Matthew 16, verse 27. But I'm telling you, there are rewards in heaven for those that are willing to to lay down their lives for Jesus. Matthew 16, 27. So you disciples, you're going to love this. You are going to absolutely, this is going to thrill you. You're going to love this. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each according to His works. What? 
I thought I didn't get to heaven by my works. You don't get to heaven by your works. You get to heaven by Jesus' work. You get rewarded in heaven according to your work. You get to heaven by the work that Jesus did when he died on the cross for you. But you will get rewarded in heaven according to the works that you've done for him in this life. Because Jesus, he will reward each according to his works. There are rewards in heaven. Let me show you here, even all the way back in the book of Proverbs. I'm going quick. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 12. Proverbs 24, verse 12 in the Living Bible. It says, for God, who knows all hearts, knows yours. And he knows that you knew. And he will reward everyone according to his deeds. So, wait a minute. There, he's telling an Old Testament, and I've got a lot of other places, but I picked a few, that there are rewards awaiting us for the things that we do for Jesus in this life. There are rewards awaiting us in heaven. Well, what are some of these rewards? Keep following me here, please. Well, one of the main things the scripture mentions is crowns. What? What do I care about a crown for? Listen to me. In our Western mind, we don't get it. We, you know, there's a lot of things in the Bible that our Western minds have a hard time comprehending. But I'm telling you what, a crown in the Bible times, and even in that culture to this day, this is a huge deal. A crown, I mean, that's royalty, man. That's big. So I'm going to put three verses up here. Flip quick if you feel like it, but they're written down on your handout. James 1.12, talking about crowns. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Well, God's never handed me a crown on this life. I don't have a crown. I'd like to have a crown, but I've never got one in this world. It says, afterward, they'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. First Peter 5, 4. It says that when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never ending glory and honor. Crowns. What is all this? Revelation 311. Jesus said, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. And Paul, I didn't put this one on there in Second uh, Timothy 3, but it's probably chapter 4. Paul said, I've finished my course. I finished the race that God laid out for me. I fulfilled the call of God in my life. And when I get to heaven, there awaits for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day. But not only me, but to also all those who love his appearing. And so, everywhere, I just mentioned four places, but there are more, where God said, crowns, man. I've got a crown awaiting you. There's a crown awaiting you. And so, but 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 again, the, the, it comes down to this. Well, so I'm going to serve God so I can get a bunch of awards and rewards in heaven for myself. Doesn't that sound just a little bit selfish? Doesn't that sound just a little bit prideful and boastful? Well, here's the beautiful part. Those awards that you will get, they're not for you to have a stockpile and, and hoard them to yourself. They're so you have a gift to present to Jesus at his throne. Let me show you one more place here. Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Revelation 4. Because there's going to be a great big party in heaven. There's going to be a great big 
banquet. We'll all be there if, if you're a Christian. But some people are going to show up to the party. Jesus is the, you know, he, it's all about him. Some people are going to show up. They're not empty handed. They're not going to have anything to give to Jesus. They're, thank God they're there. They'll worship. They'll praise. They'll have a great time. But I don't want to show up to his party empty handed. I want to have something to lay down at his feet and say, listen, all that stuff I did down there. Thank you for thank you for all this. But I just want to give it to you. Revelation four. Verses 9 through 11, it says, Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and they exist because You created what You pleased. And so here we are at the throne of God and those crowns that he's given to you. You're going to get to bring those before Jesus and said, man, I did my best for you. I I wasn't perfect, but I did my absolute best. I just want to lay these down at your feet and worship you. Now, if you're a disciple, that about brings tears to your eyes right now. If you're just someone that, you know, you and Jesus are cool, you're, you know, that, yeah, you don't really care about this stuff. But listen to me. If you want to be to that level, if you want to be, if you're just, you're not content sitting on the outside. You're not content just being another one in the crowd. You want to be close to Jesus. You want to be right there. This makes all the sense in the world to you. And you want to be at that throne room and have something to lay down at his feet. Oh my gosh. That's a benefit of being at his. That's enough right there. I don't care if anybody ever says, thank you. I don't care if I get any money in this, whatever. But if Jesus says, oh man, you did it, you did it. And I've got something to give him that's worth it all right there. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up in this room. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.